Welcome to another episode of the Locked On Women's Basketball Podcast. Recording this on a Monday evening without any games on tonight in the WNBA, a frequent off night league-wide. I figured this would be a a good day to kind of dive into some other topics, not necessarily game-focused, but try to try to stick to stick to stuff going on in the league and maybe just some bigger picture stuff. So we'll be tackling today is a quick a, a look back on the 2018 WNBA draft, and to do that, I've got Eric Nemchak on the line. Eric, how you doing tonight? I'm good, Ben. How are you? Doing well. So this it's obviously still. As we discussed already, you know, it's not a lot of time removed from the draft, but I think it's that draft, but I think it is interesting to kind of look back and and kind of start to look at what we can learn from from how that draft went down and we kind of we kind of divided this into four chunks and you know, I think a good place to start is just like the no doubters and just like the stuff that at the time people felt good about it, it clearly makes sense now and I'll let you go ahead and kind of rattle off. I think I'm pretty sure we're going to agree on all these. Just your no-doubters and things that kind of went according to plan. <laughs> okay. Um, like, is Asia Wilson, is that too easy of a is that too easy of a pick? Yeah, I mean, we, I mean we're probably not going to end up talking about Asia at all. I mean, that's just, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she, she, uh, she turned out to be pretty decent, I would say. Um, so beyond beyond that, the, uh, the super obvious one, the consensus, uh, Diamond to Shields, I was a Sky fan. I think that turned out to be a great pick. Uh, I think pretty much everyone had her penciled in at number three, number four. You know, they, they had both picks, but uh, yeah, she's she's already shown she can be. She's got superstar potential, uh, and I'm really high on her potential heading into year two. I think she's going to show some big things. Uh, I really like Jordan Canada for Seattle. Of course, that's going to be this is kind of a weird situation because I don't think anyone was expecting Super to you know be missing so much time this early in Canada's career, but. The pick made total sense for them, and I think uh, she just adds an extra dimension to their offense. You know, with the athleticism and the defense, uh, they can really do a lot of different things. And this is without, you know, this is without Brianna Stewart. Uh, I think she can maybe even, you know, play a little with Sue Bird when, when, when Bird returns. So they've got a lot of stuff they can do with her. Uh, Azari Stevens, I, I really liked her heading into the draft, and you know, I think this is a, this is going to be a, a critical year for her because you know, without Liz Cambage. Her usage is going to go way up, and she's got so many skills that uh, I think are going to translate really well. So uh, I think that worked out pretty well. And then uh, I would say Victoria Vivians heading into the draft. Uh, everyone knew what she was good at, you know, shooting the basketball, scoring. Uh, and I think she was a little bit better defensively than I uh, than I anticipated. I mean, playing for Vic Schaefer at Mississippi State that's kind of it's kind of a given. Um, I wasn't sure really what position she would play. Like, would she be able to? Was she a two? Was she a three? But I, you know, her shooting is she's such, just such a good shooter that I think Indiana really uh, she kind of fell under their laps there. Um, I mean, I, I guess we could kind of go on and on about this, but those are the ones that really stand out for me as as you know, no brainers, like really good picks. How about you? Yeah, I mean, I think I think one way I looked at it was that ten of the twelve first rounders are just like you can already just lock them in as just like long-time rotation players and, and many of yeah. them are already proven that they're going to be starters for a long time. So to almost flip it on his head, you know, in the first round, the only questions are Marie Gulich, who just what was, was kind of, we can kind of get into into her game and what she showed so far later, but just she was also, you know, she deserved a little sympathy. She was thrust into a pretty tough situation where, you know, if you're, they you know they they started the season basically wholly dependent on her to like okay fill our backup center minutes when you're gonna get compared yeah. to Brittany Griner which is just as a late first round pick it's you're never gonna you're never gonna please everybody there and when at the end of the day she she probably just isn't totally big enough to be a full time center and then Lexi Brown and that was just really I mean in a way I I'm I've just been viewing this season as her rookie year because she just didn't play and it just wouldn't have been fair. To really say a lot about her game based on the limited minutes she got with the Sun, when you know I think everyone said going in, yeah, they're, they're probably not gonna have minutes for her anyways. But like to really hone it down, I felt like one through six, like I think I think mo- for the most part everyone would have agreed like that those were the first six names that were gonna go off the board, and I think number four was the was the one people were really questioning like what was gonna happen there. And then Azrae Stevens ended up going six if she, because she didn't go four. 
would you say that was kind of like a, a fair kind of a fair point to kind of draw a line here absolutely uh yeah definitely i, I think this draft honestly like I, I i am definitely not one to toot my own horn but the, the first round at least of this draft you you, you you nailed it like the first six picks were not difficult at all uh and then honestly the next six picks weren't really that difficult either uh you could probably you probably could have made a case for like monique billings going in the first round rather than number 15 but i mean other than that uh players like you know Gulich and Lexi Brown and Vivians and even Ariel Atkins, you know, we were surprised to see her go at seven. Uh, <laughs> I think I think people have shut up about that one by now, but yeah, you know, aside from, you know, maybe Gabby Williams going a little high, uh, I thought, honestly, that the sky would go with Stevens once she declared her eligibility and that Williams would go, like, in the six to seven range, but you know, you, you said it, the, the first six picks, everyone, I think, pretty much anticipated those names going in some order, uh, I think you, you could even narrow it down to like the top three was going to be Asia, Kelsey Mitchell, and, and Diamond to Shields. Would you agree? Yeah, and that and that I think is really and that was this was a this was had this this class had some decent depth. You know, you've got you know like about half the second round making it. I think that's I think that's like a pretty good point at which you can really call it a pretty deep draft. But what really then separated this or made it different too was like those top three names are like i mean they're just like big time like lock it in like these are going to be if not franchise players they're going to be your top one of your top scoring options and that's something that just doesn't it doesn't come along in every draft you know there might not even be one in a given draft so to kind of get three of those players i think that was really like the the top line strength of this class yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. You, you, we were talking about this before the podcast. Uh, you're, you're looking at these uh, this whole first round. They're all rotation players, uh, and there is there are some star potential players there as well. And you're right; that doesn't come along in every draft. Some people say, "Well, if it's a deep draft, sometimes that might mean it's a weak draft." Uh, you know, yes and no. I, I definitely don't think this is a weak draft. This is actually looking back at this is a really freaking good draft. Uh, I think people are kind of getting spoiled because it seems like the drafts are getting better every year. Uh, that will likely change <laughs> this uh, next spring. But uh, yeah, this this draft was really it, it was it was it was nice. It was something that the league really needed. So uh, I'm really interested to see uh, to discuss these players and you know what they've done so far and what their potential could be. Well, let's get, let's get right to the real introspective part here, where we kind of try to like point back at what we got wrong ourselves and or just stuff that we're kind of questioning that we had thought early on and i i get i mean i think the best way to do this is just kind of kick back and forth and we can we can talk about each thing we have as we go along but i think the one to start with just because it also happens to be at the top it was all this stuff with there's just a lot of noise with diamond shields you know there's people like oh there's like this word like questions kept coming up and like care like these like this these very big talks about character concerns and and looking at it more from the outside i was like I what does this really mean you know is like is this just because she transferred a couple times like it, it it just it it was always it always just felt really strange from the start and but now that like you're seeing her on the court and by all accounts like she's getting along with her teammates and like has done really well in market there so like i mean all that stuff frankly it just seems like it was really silly you're, you're definitely right on that. Um, as you know, I've I've met Diamond a few times personally. She seems like a great person. You're right. She 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 does seem to get along really well with her teammates. And you know, even if you know there is like off court stuff or whatever, I mean, you look at what's going on around the league right now. People demanding trades, people sitting out, threatening to sit out if they aren't if they aren't traded. I mean, she hasn't done that, right? So and and speaking to the transferring stuff. Yo, if if you look around, if you look at the transfer portal right now, yeah, everyone's yeah. Tra- everyone's transferring now. So it's like, well, no, no matter what goes on off the court, I don't really think it's fair to just point at one player and say, well, she's going to be a problem because of, of off court stuff, and then just totally ignore everyone else being you know potential off court stuff. So yeah, you know, I, I think with the shields, uh, maybe the uh, the social media vortex kind of kind of got uh, got her caught up in that um as a sky fan i'm very glad they didn't succumb to it um <laughs> really looking forward to watching her blossom into a superstar because uh she definitely has what it takes 
Yeah, so did you have uh, I don't know if I stole one for you, but did you have uh, do you have another one you want to get to? No, uh, well, let, let, let's see here. Let me let me look. Um, I'll you know what? I'll go with this guy's other draft pick, uh, Gabby Williams, because I think that was this was an interesting pick because uh, before Ezra Stevens declared her draft eligibility, everyone was kind of like, okay, yeah, this guy have two lottery picks. They'll take the shields for sure, and then. Williams, why not? You know, but then I think you know once once it, it, you know Jessica Breland signed in Atlanta, Azra Stevens was maybe the uh, the logical the logical pick, uh, but they ended up going with Gabby, and um, and you know she's still she's still developing. I think she's still trying to find her place in this league. Uh, I was kind of surprised by it. I know more people than just me were surprised by it too. But, you know, already James Wade is, is, is trying a lot of different things with Gabby. He's playing her at point guard, backup point guard a little bit, trying to get her in motion a little bit more. And uh, she's got great potential. She's got great skills. And I, we talked about this on our uh, the Sky-specific pod a, a, a couple weeks ago. So, yeah, that was an interesting pick for me. Um, jury is definitely still out. But I'm I'm a, I'm a believer. I'm a Gabby Williams believer. So I think that will uh, that'll still end up being a good pick down the road. Yeah, I had I had her name written down in one of our in our other bullet points, so I'll save it for that. I okay. I I mean I I thought she should have gone for. I thought that was the pick all along. So that's not that doesn't that's not quite a name for me to talk about at least in this part. So I'll go I'll go to my next one and and I'll just kind of I'll speak to the general surprise of Ariel Atkins going seven because I was I was one of the people that was surprised and. Obviously, part of that was clearly like I just didn't, you know, get good enough of a grasp of 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 her game at Texas and what what stuff was going to translate well, and it and now we're at a point where you know, everyone's saying and joking like you know Mike Tebow is going to take a three and D wing and he's going to surprise everybody and obviously he did that again uh, this this past draft but you know it's it it's it's interesting to talk about because I think. You know, I I would imagine like at some point soon there's gonna be somebody who takes a big swing, hoping a player's in a similar mold, in the relatively near future, and inevitably like you know you're not gonna hit on every pick, right? So like I think it's just gonna be interesting if if someone really like takes a big swing thinking they have the next Ari Atkins and then it doesn't work out, because I just think I mean to like to really like nail a three and D evaluation on a player in the college game that I mean that's just like so tough because like you just you don't get to play this you can't you can't kind of see that stuff playing out on the floor as much because the college game is just so different yeah and because it's texas i mean let's let's be honest with ourselves that yeah i liked ariel atkins uh at texas i didn't think she'd be this good you know, I don't, i'm honestly not sure if anybody did aside from mr tebow himself uh but you know i'm not above calling myself a moron so I'll say yes. I missed on this one too. Uh, Ariel, you know, she's just so solid. You know, she's got. She had coming in. She was so WNBA ready. She had the basketball IQ. She had the skills, and she had the the, the WNBA body type. So looking back on it, I, I'm like, how did everybody miss on this one? It's just, especially compared to everyone else in the class. Because you look at players like you know Vivians or Brown or, or Kia Nurse, and yeah, they all have they've all got strengths. But Ariel Atkins. You know, if you look back on it uh, in hindsight, and of course you know what they say about hindsight, but she was maybe like the second or third most WNBA-ready player in this draft, and she still got room to improve too. So I think speaking to your point about, you know, the 3 and D stuff being so hard to evaluate in college, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that, that might change. Like you said, Tebow did it again uh, this year with Kiara Leslie. We're not really sure how that's going to pan out, but... Uh, I, I think people really ought to stop questioning his draft picks because he's hitting on on almost all of these late first round, early second round picks. Um, so that's one thing I take from it. The other thing I take from it is um, Ariel Atkins. She, I believe she was, uh, and check me on this if I'm wrong, but she did have national team experience. Uh, I don't know if it was under 19 or under 18, something along the line there. So maybe that was of benefit as well. Uh, I'm not really sure, but... Uh, that could be another way to kind of maybe evaluate these players moving forward. That's because before then, that's that's really not something I considered. But it is definitely it's a totally different uh, 
totally different game, totally different environment. So if you don't watch, if you don't enjoy watching the Texas Longhorns like uh, like you and I, um, you could still you know maybe use some USA Basketball evaluation because they don't they don't invite just anybody to participate in those. Yeah, well, and and, and with Atkins too, like if you just if you look at the other names in this range, you know the name the name that people have been penciling and even writing in in pen for Washington was Victoria Vivians. Right. And a lot of that was just because Mike Tebow's daughter, Carly Tebow Dudanis, was on the staff coaching Vivians at Mississippi State. So obviously, he would have uh, he would have been able to get some very frank and honest feedback for to consider to consider her at that spot. And but obviously, a part a big part of drafting Atkins was believing in her defense, which you know she's further along than Vivians at this point. While she, and she hasn't quite flashed the range or like the off the bounce stuff, but if you believe in the defense and if like if you can make open threes and you can defend, then that's that's of course that's a player you want you should be comfortable taking at seven, and then a couple of the other guards there, you know, Lexi Brown, again has the range, but Atkins has the bigger body, a little more physical, just more built, on top of, you know, Brown like racked up a lot of steals, but Duke also played like a lot of zone. So I don't know if you're really going to look at like her defensively at Duke and just say automatically like she's going to be a lockdown defender. And then Kia Nurse out of UConn, that was that was always interesting. I think she was like one of the big names, and maybe we'll I'm sure we'll get to this that people just like had no idea like where she was going to end up going. But you know Atkins again, just like a little more built, like a little more, a little more of the mold of like a true three, which doesn't always matter in some matchups but then like if you run into Maya Moore and Angel McCautry like it really does and not that Atkins has like shut them down in a playoff series but I mean there's no doubt that she has the body and you know she's shown a little bit on defense that she can kind of be be the player that you would want to throw at one of those players yeah absolutely and when you talk about being you know have the body of a three Washington she fits so well with them because they can just switch everything you you got Natasha Cloud who's got the body of a of a two three playing point guard, and if you have Atkins out there too, you can switch everything on the perimeter, and that's they just fit so well together. That's it was it was really a great pick. I have nothing else to add besides that. Yeah, so I'll I'll go on to one of my one of my other misses. I was definitely in the camp of kind of being a little too prisoner of the moment with Marie Gulich. You know, she led Oregon State. They had that really nice postseason run. And in a couple moments in the tournament, she was, like, really, like, got a chance to, like, run the floor. And she even, like, took three dribbles in the open court. And everyone's like, oh, man, like, look at this skill level. And <laughs> I think we all just we all just kind of over – I mean, we, we probably overrated it a little bit because it just – it was happening over a smaller sample. Whereas Maisha Hines-Allen and Monique Billings, who have some of the same strengths, and, and Hines-Allen is one we're going to – I'm going to get to a lot later on. But, you know, like – Heinz Allen was doing that stuff way more than Gulich ever did, and right. and but Gulich just kind of got bumped up because of because of the success of Oregon State, frankly, and you know obviously a lot is to be determined with her career, but you know Heinz Allen and even Billings, I think have just shown even in one season that they're just I think they bring a little bit more to the table as pros. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, Billings for sure has the higher ceiling than Gulich, I believe. Um, but as far as yeah, I definitely agree with you on uh, on Oregon State making her look really good. Not that she isn't really good. I mean, she's in a much different scenario now with in Atlanta where she can show that skill, and they obviously have faith in her showing those skills with them because they, they traded their uh, their first round pick for her this year. So they're obviously high on her. But I digress. Uh, and that's just not the first time where Scott Ruick has made has put his players. Has made their has made his players draft stock rise. You know, you think about Sydney Weiss, uh, what what she was able to do at Oregon State, what she's currently doing now in LA, which is not much. Uh, Jamie Weisner, you know, you didn't really hear much from her after her uh, excellent career at Oregon State. So I think if there's one thing that I, I kind of learned from that, it's that you want to kind of and of course this changes with the amount of with the, the amount of players. So for example, someone like you know Gino Oriyama or Muffet McGraw is going to have a bigger uh, portfolio of of WNBA players than than Scott Rook at this at this juncture, but what what I would like to look at more often, just personally, is college success at a program relative to WNBA success. So, like for example, uh, 
how many All-Americans has Geno turned into, you know, great WNBA players compared to, I, I hate to keep, you know, pointing the finger at Texas, but, you know, Texas gets plenty of good recruits too, but they don't nearly as often turn into WNBA stars as somebody from UConn or Notre Dame. So, uh, yeah, definitely coaching. You know, <laughs> coaching is so huge. You look at people from Oregon State where it, it seems like they're constantly, constantly getting, you know, the best out of their players, and then they don't really, you know, go on to make big names for themselves in the WNBA. So that's kind of one thing that I took from that. Yeah, I don't... I wouldn't... I don't think I'm quite there with you to quite look at it like that yet. I still think you just kind of have to look at, like, what... Like, look at the player's body. Like, what are their measurables? Like, how big are they? And I think that still needs... I think that still kind of can answer some questions and some, obviously a lot of this we're doing hindsight right now so it's going to sound obvious and I have an example in a minute but with with Gulich, the you know like the, the, she also did like have some success in like a very pro style defense too you know like I think like they had Oregon State has long been like this this kryptonite for like these high scoring guards in the Pac-12 right like sure. like Kelsey Plum I think she tweeted I think it was this past season you know about like how Ruick always like forces you into tough shots and because they yeah. they've done that to Sabrina Ionescu and and Gulich was a big part of that where they just they dropped her back to the rim they chased her over screens and forced her to pull up but then maybe the thing that didn't get questioned quite as much is that you know like Gulich just probably like isn't big enough to like be a center and to do to have that kind of success doing the same stuff you know she's she's not she's not super built she's not you know that big. She was not, you know, just relative to the other centers at the next level. And, I mean, I, I just think that's just a big part of it, too, because she was also very successful in the post, but then just, like, you're just not going to score. Who was, who were they? Uh, Atlanta was playing. They played Washington. They played Washington over the weekend. Like, she tried to post up Maisha Hines-Allen, who's, like, this, uh, this other player in this conversation. And Hines-Allen just, like, swallowed her up. Like, she, she just, like, ate her alive. Like, she just can't, she can't, like, score over that level of athlete and body so I, I still think it kind of comes down to that because I look at it like I understand if people want to do the program thing but I also look at it this way like look at this past year and look at Katie Lou Samuelson and Bridget Carlton one of them got picked apart mercilessly over whether or not they could defend and whether they're athletic and one of them the question wasn't raised at all and they became a lottery pick you know like like Katie Lou Samuelson is like not some awesome defender right like like she like she got hurt a lot like trying to defend people one-on-one because she just like she's kind of she was kind of stiff she like bent over at the waist but then carlton she plays at iowa state so it's like i don't know is she athletic enough and i like i still i still had lou as a better prospect to be clear but i also think i almost think more than not that the players at these bigger programs still tend to kind of get the benefit of the doubt well, no, I, I totally agree with you on that. Um, <laughs> just to be fair, I, I had questions about Katie Lou's defense, but and honestly, I still do. But no, you, you're, you're right about that. And I think also um, there's this running joke. You know, if you can't criticize, if you can't find much of a uh, of much in a player's game to criticize, you just say, uh, "Well, he or she's not good on defense," and then just say, "Like, okay, yeah," like state it as a fact. But no, you're totally right. Well, Carlton and Katie Lou, uh, programs may be a little overrated. To be fair, uh, but and you're also right on Gulich. Uh, she's she's probably more of a of a finesse four or five hybrid than a full time center. So definitely looking at you know the matchups, individual matchups she played against in college, uh, and you know what what schemes they played. Also, good point on the pro defense thing there. But yeah, no, that's that's a good point. Yeah, and, and the nice thing for Gulich, too, is it's it's funny. It's just like it worked out so quickly for her to get into a, a situation that's probably a little friendlier for her skill set. You know, like Atlanta, like just des- like the fact she, that she can like kind of shoot like a mid-range jumper is just like is like such a bonus to Atlanta because they just like desperately need that. Nobody can do that, yeah. From somebody else. And, and like and early on, like she's playing a little bit with Elizabeth Williams, who's the center. So that helps. Or she's like playing with Billings, and it's not really clear who the center is, but... And then Phoenix kind of got their chance to at, at somebody else to try to play center for them, but we don't need to get to 
the 2019 draft, but did you have any more like any misses or just or even like some kind of some things you thought that were like some doubts kind of starting to creep in? Uh, well, let me, you know, I'm looking back at, at you know, my mock from that year. Uh, I didn't really have much. Maybe, 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 maybe Shaquille Thomas. Um, you know, I, I thought the uh, the weaknesses in her game were obvious. Like, she literally never passed. And, um, you know, the lack of a jumper was kind of, uh, was, was kind of glaring. But, you know, she uh, went through some, very traumatic uh, personal experiences as well as well in the recent years. So uh, I'm not going to get into that, but I, I thought she would stick around. I think I think the Sparks liked her, but they didn't really you know like her enough to keep her. You know, you know, LA does a thing every year where they they bring in a billion people for a training camp that you just know are going to get cut. But you know, Kenneth Parker shows up when she wants. Neca shows up later. You know, that, that always happens. But um, other than that, I'm not sure. Maybe I was maybe a little low on Vadiva. Uh, I know you probably you probably wouldn't agree with me on that one, but um, well, let, well, let's. This was this was kind of one thing I was going to bring up that. Okay. I didn't really know where to put it. I I thought the cool, the funny thing to do, not the funny thing, but an interesting thing to do, would uh would just kind of on the spot, at this point in time. I'll let you go first. Okay. Or I'll go first if you want me to. I'll leave it up to you. What's the highest you would take Vadiva right now? If we, if you redid the draft, then you could just plug her uh, in. Okay, let me preface this by saying international players are always so difficult. Well, yeah, and, that, and that's mean, the thing, right? Because like, I'll just I'll throw an example out there. Because like, say Washington, who obviously like they're still gonna take Atkins, but like, say like Washington, um, like they already have Misaman, so like. Yeah. So you think about teams like some teams already have like one player where they're worried about those kind of commitments. So like it's just this stuff gets complicated so fast, and it, I think it's just I think it's that makes her such a fascinating player. And that like uh, the proof is in the pudding. You don't even need to look at somewhere else for Vadiva because already this season she has one outstanding game, and then everyone's saying, "Oh, look how good she is! Why didn't she play more last year?" And then. Oof, you know she's she's gone for a little while. So right, <laughs> that it, it's like there, there's that, that's really the ultimate example of the risk you take with you know foreign play or international players rather. So wh- where's the highest I would take uh, the diva? Well, let's see how how, how did this uh, actually played out. Uh, I mean, do you want me to? I have the I have the cop out perfect cop out answer. Do you want me to go? Yeah, sure. Why not? Connecticut. Because <laughs> <laughs> they didn't. I mean, they didn't. They didn't end up that you know that number nine pick quickly became so quickly became nothing for them. Yeah, um, nothing like literally traded it for nothing pretty much. And you know Shane ended up leaving, so hey, yeah, that would have been good, right? Well, yeah. And okay. I, I, mean, right. I mean, and she. So, would, so you want me to go now? If you have a different one, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Why not? Um. Well, well let's let's. Okay. So you're talking about Myesha Hines Allen. She went number nineteen, second round. What's the highest you take her? Would you would you consider taking her over like a Stephanie Mavunga or Monique Billings? Oh, if you redo the draft, like she has to go twelve to Phoenix. I don't okay. think there's any way she can go lower than that. I mean, she totally would have been exactly what they needed. Yeah, I definitely agree. Definitely agree. Maybe they would have even kept her. You know, <laughs> Phoenix's track record with keeping first round picks has uh, not been great um, for one reason or another. But yeah, no, that's that's fair. That's fair. For sure, and you know this is this this is, has nothing to do with anything. But I'm looking at this. I'm looking at the draft order. What was Atlanta doing drafting Christy Wallace at 16? Well, I mean, they were trying to get a backup point guard, and and was it like, though? Yeah, but in a way, you know, you're just you're drafting a stash player. You know, I don't think it. I kind of liked it for them, and sadly, and sadly, she got back out on the court leading into the season and got hurt again, but. Yeah. Okay. I, fair. Fair. Because I, mean, I, I, I guess recency bias. I just yeah. I'm, look, I'm looking back at that. Like, wow, that was that did not work out well for them. But then you, you, it's it's a zero sum game. And then you look at like who was taken after her, and it's like, well, okay, that wasn't that wasn't terrible. Yeah. I don't. I mean, I don't think you're upset. Anything after that, obviously, Heinz Allen would have been nice, but they also just took Billings, and that, that was kind of what they needed. You know, if they needed a point guard that could operate a little bit and could also spot up, which is what they ended up getting. You know, this year with my take Azorla, so. Yeah. But, oh, uh, all right. 
so we had yeah the 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 the, the, the vadiva stuff is interesting and hopefully you know hopefully she comes back because la has now broken to a point where they're in a good position to play her and and obviously she had that nice game and she looks really good scoring it and man i mean like just since i brought it up just thinking about it like she would look pretty awesome in connecticut too just you would. someone else to shoot some open threes and and they could kind of reward her for for her kind of her style you know she's obviously not like a blur like Alyssa thomas but in her own way you know she can dribble with both hands and she kind of meanders slash bulldozes her way in there and it's just <laughs> but it, it would have worked great with with how they play but i mean you'd play here over brianna jones right yeah, I, I there you go. I think I think I it's their messaging has been very strong out of there, but early in the season, I mean, I think we're gonna be seeing Christina Nigue very soon. Uh, I would agree with that. But one more, let's uh, get back on track with the eighteen draft. Uh, one more. This isn't. This wasn't really a, a getting wrong thing. I just didn't know where to put this. But I mean, I think it's just like worth talking about, like for the sun, like. The number nine pick, you know, a year later you turn it into a second rounder who you then cut, and it's just like that. It kind of hurts because as they finish this season and go into that off season where they've got a bunch of people hitting free agency, they're they're gonna need some like they're gonna kind of need to restock with players on rookie deals, and they already have you know, Christian Eagle and Bridget Carlton from this draft, but to, it just it stinks to not to not get anything from that spot, and I think. Like, I think it's fair to just, like, even though we are doing this in hindsight, it is fair to, like, bring up, like, maybe they were just wrong to not play Lexi Brown, you know? Like, it, like the players getting those minutes, like Rachel Bannum, and they obviously traded for Leisure Clarendon, but, it, you know, if, like, Brown definitely, like, would really help them just as, like, a shooter with, like, just really deep range, or if they'd taken Kia Nurse, somebody who, like, can, like, do a little bit more with the ball... I think it. I, think, I mean, I think it just. It has to be said. Like, they did kind of, you know, miss on a chance to just add somebody who can contribute for a few years. As in theory, they're about to lose some of those people because some of the other ones have to get paid. Right. Yeah. That. You know, I, I found this really interesting because I I thought that if if it came down to a choice between Lexi Brown and Kia Nurse, they would have taken Kia Nurse. Uh, yeah. Well, although was- Lexi Brown theoretically like would have fits their system with the range with 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 the deep three-point shooting and all that stuff uh but man she just she, she didn't play for one reason or the other and i really thought they would have taken kia nurse uh i i get they were kind of past the whole you son thing where connecticut all like automatically took a connecticut player but <laughs> yeah cause, you know back in the day that's that was, that was the nickname you son uh yeah you know that's it really it, it, it's just tough for them you're right because impending free agency they stand to perhaps lose some rotation players and my god you know it, it, if they didn't you know draft carlton or an igway like because they kind of I, I think you would agree that they kind of lucked into both of those players this past draft so yeah i think yeah. they they had better like hope that those players both turn out really well because i don't know in the next draft if you're going to be able to get uh, solid, especially if they're if you know they keep playing the way we think they can play, and they finish in like the top three or top four seed. And then next year's draft, they're probably not going to get a heck of a lot, you know. So yeah, yeah, you hate to you hate to look at you know, look at things in hindsight like that, but probably a miss. Yeah, we could definitely say that. Yeah, and, and in fairness to them, they I mean, unless they trade them, they are going to have two two bites at the apple with. We'll figure to be mid to late round first so maybe those both just work out and they 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 end up just fine but you know it's just especially one year later you know to just turn that over into nothing it, it's just, yeah it is to a degree i'm sure it's it's tough to swallow but that's stating the obvious well i mean if i can jump in here for a second once again as a sky fan i need to say my piece here the sky drafted elena coates at number two yeah in uh, <laughs> 2017 two years later that turns into a a third round pick, you know, that, and that's, and of course she had injuries, you know, new coaching staff and was she supposed to be traded on draft day? I guess, I, I don't know, but man, you know, the, 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 the quick, like if, if you don't come in and prove yourself as, as like a late or as not even a late first round pick, if, if you come in as a, as a draft pick and you don't prove yourself like right away, man, your value takes a hit so quickly because of the 
back to these classes, there's just more and more talent coming in every year. It's it's tough, man. Well, and it should though. By the way, like it's like you know, it's this is all eye of the beholder stuff. And like the second that pick, the second any pick get, gets used, you know, the variance just like goes through the roof because you know, like everyone was talking about Kalani Brown is like, oh, the Sparks picked her for the wings in a Liz Cambage trade, you know. But I'm sure there were other teams around the league that even at that spot, I'm sure there were like a couple that didn't like Kalani Brown at all, and there were probably a couple that like really liked her even like in the lottery range like so there is like i'm just, i mean that i'm just totally making an example of that but like it you know in a way like i kind of wish like you know i think it's you know like it, the oh coats was the number two pick stuff like that's still gonna get a lot of mileage you know based on how these next two years or so go for but like to a degree i think it's just I think that kind of stuff kind of just needs to stop because people did it when Cheney got traded too. You know, oh, how could you turn a number one pick into a late first round pick? That's not how it works. No. Like, like Cheney doesn't continue to carry the value of a number one pick. So, like, just whatever you think that means, like, it doesn't. One, it doesn't mean whatever you think it does, and just like it doesn't matter. You know, like, what's the player? Like, what's the player? That's what. That's what the value is. Well, okay, yeah, and, and to be fair, that that was. Definitely not the strongest draft class by any means of the imagination. Yeah. Um, and, and, and you're right. You're right. The draft, year by year, draft picks change the value. Once it turns into a player, it's it's totally up in the air. Um, I will I will say that, you know, as a, a Chicago Bulls fan as well, you know, if I hear, well, we got Jabari Parker, former number two overall pick. If I hear yeah, that one more exactly. time. <laughs> if I hear that one more time, yeah. I'll let you fill in the blank there. He, well, he, he did play, like, really good defense in, like, game four of that Boston playoff series. Oh, yeah, he tried really hard for, like, 20 <laughs> minutes. Number two overall pick. Um, so, I, like, the next next kind of bullet point we had that I thought was interesting to get to is just kind of, like, is to kind of now flip this, like, kind of just look ahead with this now and kind of, like, what are the biggest address, like, what the biggest question marks we are, we're kind of facing over these next couple of years with some of these players and I'll, I'll kind of I'll get us started with with Gabby Williams, who said it was going to get to later. You know, it it's I think I think Gabby is going to continue to be like a natural lightning rod for people to kind of point to. But one, you know, as we said, and I, I haven't seen anyone argue otherwise. I, there might be some like extreme Azra Stevens believers, but like when it com- when it comes to like talking stars, this was a three player. This was a three player draft. So to yeah. go to go forth, whoever did like it was gonna be hard no matter what, and you know one you just you can't point to very much stuff last year that they did to really help her, you know because you say like oh well she can't shoot okay well but there's good stuff she can do and they didn't put her in a position enough to do that stuff, and already this year, as I said you know recording this on Monday their game over the weekend like she was like their de facto backup point guard and she like dimed up. Uh, a Stu Endor on like an awesome pocket pass for a layup. They brought it off a curl and she like had this awesome wraparound. I think it was around Natasha Howard to yeah. set someone up for layup again. And it's like, yeah, like you have to like let her do this stuff to like let her show like show what she's really good at. And and when and when you kind of when that starts happening, it's it, it gets a lot harder to try to like tr- try to act like that pick wasn't justified. No, and and then like you said, if you look at the people taking after her, it's like well, you already got the three star players off the board, so it's like, and, and this guy, this, it was the second of two lotto picks, this guy, so it's not like, and they already nailed the first one, so it's like, okay, well, you know, you, you might as well and see what happens. Uh, well, and this is this is really about Stevens, right? I think Stevens is the one name that people, I haven't seen any other names brought up, I think Stevens is the one, because it's like, oh, they need to address the defense, and Stevens is a big, and she can move a little bit, and she's long, like, isn't this all... This this seems to me like it's for a lot of people. It was about Gabby versus Azure. <laughs> well, I got news for you. They're, they're, they're going to be asking about addressing the defense for like the next five years. But yeah, it, it, to, to your point, um, yeah, yeah, it would be about Gabby versus Stevens. I don't. I, it, 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 like I said, Stevens was the logical pick for me. I wasn't like infuriated that they took Gabby, um, and and now that they have you know a coach who is very much open to trying new things and trying to get the best out of his talent, putting them in positions to succeed. We said that only about a billion times on the Sky podcast, but yeah, that, that's, 
it, it's for sure. It, it's not. It wasn't a bad pick whatsoever. So uh, I, I think the, the questions around Gabby are justified, but they're definitely blown a little out of proportion because it's like she can't shoot. Okay, well she's she can jump out of the gym. She sees the court tremendously. She passes really well. She's got great defensive instincts. As far as for what a player can do, yeah, I'd take that at number four. Yeah, and I mean, the the only, like, I'll, I'll start listening to people that want to make the noise about the pick if, if Stevens, like, really takes off as a scorer. Because that's what would need to happen if, like, you really wanted to, like, you know, go back and, and really, like, pick that apart. Is If she becomes, like, this, like, top three scoring option, okay. Then, like, it, yeah, like, of course, it in hindsight it's going to look like it was more obvious to have taken her there but if like if that doesn't happen and by the way like if if chicago continues to like tap into gabby as a playmaker then it's you know it's not going to be like this obvious thing that that they somehow missed on yeah i mean it's not like it's not like as ray Stevens is going to turn into i mean i could be wrong i, I can't see the future but it's not like ezra is going to turn into perennial first team all wnba while gabby's going to be out of the league in two years right yeah, I mean, it's yeah, it's not. This isn't gonna be. A, this isn't a Candace Parker or like Deladon level player, you know. So like, it's just like, like, like. Yeah, she's tall and she has some ball skills, but like, that's not. That's not like. That's not all there is to it. Um, but I mean, I think another player at the top of the draft, I think, is gonna be the interesting one to follow is Kelsey Mitchell, oh. because Asia Wilson. That's much more obvious. Like twenty per game score. Just like just so hard to handle one on one, even for like the best bigs defensively. Like it's just it's obvious that like Asia's already arrived. And then Diamond is Shields versus Kelsey. Like obviously Diamond went one pick later, so I think that's going to be like a natural friction point when people look back on this class too. But also the thing with Diamond one is obviously like Diamond is just is like isn't just like a, a tantalizing defender, but like she's like a defensive playmaker. Like, she actually can go and make plays, like, make plays that other people just will never be able to do already. And, like, you know, like, Kelsey Mitchell at her size, like, you just, like, you need her to be competent. You know, like, that's, like, and maybe she, like, can become, like, a big steals player. So the tough thing, the tough thing for Kelsey is that, like, and also just the kind of player she is. You know, Diamond to Shields is this freakish athlete. She can draw a ton of fouls. Plus, she's just going to live at the rim, so it's much easier to say, like, okay, she's getting the rim. But for Kelsey Mitchell as a jump shooter that, like, a lot of people probably aren't still aren't used to seeing at this level, just like a high-volume, you know, three-point off-the-dribble kind of player, it's it's also just kind of harder to stomach if, like, you keep having games where, like, the ball doesn't go in the basket, you know? Like, that's yeah. just, it's just tougher to kind of to live through that. Um, okay, so I'm going to stay on brand here. Uh, for everyone who, who who knows me and everyone who is listening, uh, I'm not giving up on Kelsey Mitchell. I will never give up on Kelsey Mitchell. So y'all can y'all can set on that. Um, but yeah, no, you're right. Uh, Kelsey, she is going to have the games where she shoots, you know, what three for fifteen or, or whatever, and they're going to say, oh, they should have taken DeShields. Okay, well, I mean, Kelsey Mitchell as a lead guard, everyone knows that you know lead guards they take a while to develop. And you're right, the, the natural athleticism and the physical tools that the Shields brings, uh, people say, I, I, I'll, I'll hear that argument, for sure. But, I mean, look at what well, what else did, did Indiana get? They got Victoria Vivian. It's not, not a bad option on the wing. So, when you're looking at what Indiana got as an overall haul from that draft class, I don't think there's any arguing that they had a terrific draft in 2018. So, um, yeah, I, Kelsey Mitchell, she's her potential is... It's 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 through the roof. Uh, I, I'm I'm still a huge fan, still a huge believer, and what you said is true. She's still and by the way, you know, going into this season, she lost a lot of weight. She lost like ten to twelve pounds, I want to say. Uh, she, she's eating right. She's working out right. She had a pretty good off season over in Turkey. Uh, I don't want to sound like a like a homer here or anything, but she's doing all the things that need to be done in order for WNBA point guards to succeed at this level. And if you want to look at how much at, at what patience gets you for players like that, look at her teammate. Erica Wheeler is balling out of control right now. She's she's really developed into a really nice uh, lead guard, and I think that's a good example for Kelsey Mitchell to follow. So, yeah, it's potential definitely still there. 
hang on, Brand. Do not give up. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm just as in on, on Mitchell as you are. They, you know, sooner rather than later, like Indiana does need to help her a little bit, like putting more threats around her, and and Victoria Vivian's getting hurt, and then, you know, like if Vivian's and Shanice Johnson, if she had a full season with them this year, which was the plan, yeah, you know, it things would have looked a lot better for them, and hopefully Johnson gets back, but. Well, Ben, yeah, ben, ben, what are you talking about? The Fever the Fever for the best offense in the league right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's crazy. So, no, yeah, I, I totally agree with you. I mean, it's it's really obvious the Fever are still pretty limited offensively as far as, you know, surrounding players. That Vivian's injury just really, really sucked. Uh, I, I, they're still going to be fun this year, like, as far as just a, as like a try-hard team where if, like, like, if they lose, it'll be like, okay, well, they lost. And if they win, it'll be like, oh, hey, they won. You know, it's just a, the usual rebuilding team stuff. But you're right. You know, if, if Mitchell does get those shooters around her, those complimentary players around her, I think people are going to realize, you know, how much of a how she's she's a better athlete than people realize. Getting to the cup, at least, you know, her finishes probably weren't great last year. But I think I think you made the point last year about how many layups times she got to the rim and layups just kind of like rolled off the cup of the rim. Yeah. Like if you if a few more of those like went down, we might be talking about things differently right now so yeah all the tools are there for her to succeed individually it's now just a matter of indiana's taking that next step and saying like okay how do we best unlock your talent by surrounding you with with complimentary players yeah i mean i mean the finishing is one thing where i think it will be fair to kind of to kind of be a little tough on her this year where like she just needs to put more of those in the basket because yeah i i counted up all of her you know, synergy tracking isn't perfect, but you know, of the the shots they charted as around the basket, I went back and watched all of them, and there were at least twenty where you just can't argue that like these are awesome looks that any player, literally any player, like should be expected to finish. So yes. you, if she finishes those, that's gonna do a lot. I'm sure that'll do for a ton for her confidence. Plus, just like <laughs> it'll like help out the stats, and if you make your layups and. And then, and then, like her, her confidence in her three that just that can't waver. You know, she has no. to keep she has to keep pulling those because that's what makes her special. That's what you know. That's what other than Diana Taurasi, like she's like the second biggest like off the dribble three point threat in the entire league right now already. Even as a player that's kind of talked about as someone that struggled the most of this class in year one. So, it's, I mean, there, there's a reason why she's why she's taking those shots. Yeah, you know, it's, it's because she's shown that she can make it. And, you know, if a coach didn't believe, like, for, for almost any other player, a coach would be like, no, no, what are you doing? we got to stop this right now. But for Kelsey, I mean, sky's the limit for her. Yeah, and, and just, like, to compare it to other guards, too, I don't, I don't want to belabor this too much, but, I mean, what you said, too, about the kind of athlete she is, I mean, it, it's the shooting paired with, like, the kind of burst that she has, just it isn't. Yeah. It isn't out there, you know, and, and to, like, compare it to some 2019 players, like, Asia Durr. Asia Durr, like, can't get off the, as many threes, and she won't be able to get to the rim like Kelsey Mitchell can. She's just not that fast, and she can't explode to the rim like that. Or, like, Agumba Wale. I don't think Rika Agumba Wale is going to be the off-the-dribble three-point shooter that Kelsey Mitchell is. Although, you know, she does have the hand on the shake and to be, like, the mid-range artist, but, you know, it's still, it's, like, that's that's what kind of differentiates these players and and the package that's there with Kelsey Mitchell it's just it's there's not there's not really anyone else else out there that can replicate that at that age no argument from me all right so my my biggest question left did you have a did you have a player that did you, I have that a player kinda... yeah it seems like we're kind of getting off track here as as we tend to do uh uh you know looking at this class not honestly not really um, I, I think for the most part we've we've kind of seen what everybody can do. You know, there's the, there's the Gabby Williams anomaly, but we're, we we both kind of made our points there that that we believe in her. Um, I, I don't know. I, I might go back to Vidiva for a minute just because of that international uh, commitments and everything like that. Like, is is she ever going to get a sustainable long term opportunity to play on on the Sparks? You know, uh, obviously, with both the Gumake sisters now in town, and when Candace Parker comes back, they invested in Kalani Brown. You know, they, they, they traded Gentile Lavender, but still, that's 
it's still a pretty loaded front court situation. So, is she going to be able to one stay in the WNBA for a length of time, and two get the chance to show these skills? You know, obviously, you just, we don't want to go off of one game, but she looked really good against Las Vegas, uh, and that's that's something that people will be talking about if if this keeps up. You know, what if Padiva play more? So. That's one thing I'm going to keep an eye on for the future. Um, I think with Vadiva, question mark. Oh, sorry, with Vadiva, I think the key is going to be the second contract because right now, it if a team like the Sparks, you have three established vets who are going to play a lot, right. and then every team's going to have like somebody on rookie scale, and and LA happens to have Kalani Brown, obviously a high profile rookie. But like, a, but like the Sparks being in that position, this is year two for Vidiva. It's a no brainer for them to continue to just do all they can to accommodate her. But I think the next contract is going to be the key because then you know if she wants to get paid a lot more, for example, or just you know if the Sparks move on down the line at that point, and then okay, like what's your relationship going to be with the other team? You know, and what are you going to be willing right. to commit commit to for them versus figuring out the salary and how how long you'll be gone and whatnot. And that's another thing with the international players. Like, what is their relationship, you know, with with any of these coaches? I that's and that's uh, something that you know I obviously need to do a lot more research on because I thought I'm not the only one who thought this, uh, but you know I thought Indiana would be looking at her number eight because oh she, she trained with Christy Sides. Well, that turned out to be uh, I mean I mean it's true, but that didn't turn out to be uh, much of a factor. So or or you know the uh, or this year. You know, there's no way Phoenix passes on um, on Magbagor, Ezzy, from Australia. You know, Sandy Bardell is Australian. She coached her in Australia. There's no way they pass on her. Well, <laughs> not the only Aussie in the draft. So, but yeah, going back back to Vadiva, I think she she definitely has the skill to stick around and, and make an impact in this league. But yeah, the second contract when she wants to get paid, does she want to play more? I don't see why not. Uh, it might be difficult for the Sparks to keep her. Yeah, and my my last kind of big question mark players are really the the kind of the more fringe players because we look at it as it stands today. Seventeen players from this class are active, all twelve first first rounders, and then five second rounders. And I think there's you have four bigs who still kind of need to solidify their place, kind of by the time their rookie scale uh, wraps up, because you know the. The players at the end of rookie scale, and obviously vets, are kind of like the most susceptible to losing spots to to the new rookies that trickle in. And then the, those four names are are Gulich, Stephanie Mavunga, Jisoo Park, and then Mercedes Russell, as just you know, as just like names to watch because you know it's it's tough to come by minutes as a backup big, and you don't always get the fairest shake. But it's you know it's going to be important for them. To kind of prove prove what they can, and especially Gulich, who's probably gonna play a lot for a team that really needs it, and and Russell might be like second in terms of just opportunity because of the Brianna Stewart injury. So right. we'll see what those players are able to do. I I think Russell that's that's an interesting one because I wasn't particularly high on her coming out of, of, of college, but Seattle really likes her. I, I believe I, I don't have the numbers for this, but I, I think they're is she on a guaranteed deal? Russell? No, I don't think so. No, I, I kind of, maybe maybe I'm thinking of someone else that she was on a guaranteed deal. But anyway, I, I think it's interesting that they that they kept her because you've got Courtney Paris on that roster. She hasn't really played so far this season, so they obviously really like what what Russell is bringing. I mean, there's no arguing. She's a, she's a big player. She's you can't teach six six and a, and a physical six six at that. So, but yeah, like you said, there will be somebody to take your spot if you aren't performing, especially you know just a post player who. You know, runs the floor, defends, and rebounds. There will always be somebody coming out of college to do that for you on the cheap. So, yeah, no, that's that's a good point. And Movunga, I like her, uh, but you know, Indiana, there's a they're going to be giving McCowan, you know, as, as many minutes as she can uh, play through. I think at least maybe later this season. GC Park probably not in the best situation for long term career anymore because you know. They uh they made a pretty big uh, acquisition. I don't know if you heard about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean she. I mean yeah. I mean Park and Park is like, Park is like. Well, Kelsey Bowen was victim number one, but Park is probably number two. Just 
because you go from a total timeshare at that position for them to, you know, they're going to be what? Whenever Cambage gets worked in, they're, they're going to be 10 center minutes to go around. And yeah. ha- even even like for Carolyn Swords, like she she at least has the spot because she's just such a solid vet and she's more consistent. But even like all those backup minutes like might all go to Dierka Hamby, you know? So. Yeah. As they should. Yeah. But that's, yeah. That, that's what we're saying about Jesus yeah. Christ. Like, there aren't enough minutes to go around for her. It's, it's, it's unfortunate, but that's that's the truth. Yeah. So then, so kind of the, the this felt like a natural thing to kind of wrap up, wrap up on is to ask the question of like, what has this class kind of taught you so far? Are there any like larger impressions that you've taken away from watching these players and how things have gone so far that kind of will affect how you look at like drafts in the future or just the league as a whole and to kind of give you a chance to to uh to gather your thoughts on that i'll kind of rattle off the ones we already hit on which i won't really need to talk too much more about is just being like diamond to shields like you know her athleticism her skill level at, at her size is a wing that's just like you know you can pick like pick other stuff apart all you want it's just like if that comes along obviously that's just like something that just it's it's so valuable you know, I talked like the, the next Ariel Atkins. You know, I'm sure we're going to hear that phrase a lot in the coming years as people kind of look for for that kind of steal or that kind of starter that late in the first. And and then a couple more quick ones that are just to rattle off. Like Jordan Canada, I think is going to be like a really important benchmark for smaller guards in the future. Like if you really want to make it, like you really have to be a Jordan Canada kind of finisher. Yeah. at the rim if you're going to make it because I mean the shots she tosses in are just like so impossible but like she's like it's not it's not a gimmick like you know like this like she had one in the first week of the season I forget which game it was where she just like went right into someone's chest threw it threw it up off the glass like from a 45 degree angle like behind her shoulder it's but like that's easy for Jordan Canada so it was like, Phoenix right eh, maybe I think so pretty sure it but, was yeah yeah but did you have uh, did you have any more of those kind of kind of bullet points that you wanted to get to? Sure. I mean, I think we kind of hit on these already as well. But um, pay attention to international play. Uh, like we said, international players are, are such a are such an enigma on a, on a case-to-case basis. Uh, but yeah, uh, considering the level of competition, you know, where where are they playing? What's their what's their national team status look like? Because I know for a fact that, that, that this, this is what GMs consider. You know, how often is this player going to be able to play for us? What's the commitment look like? What's their relationship with coaches? Is their relationship with coaches overstated? You know, maybe on social media or what have you. So don't get caught in the noise. Um, and then what else? Uh, just just looking at, kind of like echoing what you were saying about players like the Shields or Canada, just looking at the at the things that can't be taught. Not just not just strength or athleticism, but just like the ridiculous finishing ability. Oh my God, that, that, that players like Canada bring. Um, when you talk about Kelsey Mitchell, what kind of when you look at a player like her, what she's good at? Is there a premium on that type of player currently in the WNBA? So you talk about a, like a, a lead guard who can who can nail threes off the dribble and get to the rim. Well, aren't a heck of a lot of those right now. So she's probably going to be a high value draft pick. Um, and then I think that's pretty much it. Uh, this is a fairly straightforward draft class, I think, with a lot of talents. Uh, you know, we learn something new every day. I, I learn something new every draft. And uh, but yeah, it's 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 really interesting to look back on this and kind of think about. Okay, it's it's one year in. What are we wrong about? Because there's always something, right? Yeah, and I, I mean, I think it's just. I mean, one. I think I think it's a fun exercise. Like if you're covering basketball oh, yeah. and you can't have fun poking fun at yourself or just like trying to learn from it like you just you probably should be doing this and just like it you know it's it's a fun conversation to have i think this kind of stuff it it, it needs to be part you know these kind of conversations all need to be part of it too you know where we you know a question like should the fever have taken diamond to shields you know like it it sounds you know it's it's one of those things like it's so hard to find a balance where you know, I think in the sports that are covered more widely, it's something that kind of gets beaten to death and asked too soon and too much and at the wrong times. But at the same time, like the flip side of this coin is like, you know, the, like this is the real world. You know, like there's a lot of pressure, I'm sure, on Kelsey Mitchell to perform as there is for Diamond and Shields. You know, 
So it's, you know, the, just kind of striking a balance, I think, is important. And, you know, being able to poke fun at ourselves because if obviously, like, none of us are going to get this stuff 100% right 100% of the time. So <laughs> there's there's got to be stuff we can learn from it. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and like I said, I'm an extremely self-deprecating person with sense of humor like that. So I have no problem talking about it from that perspective. Um, I'm honestly surprised whenever I get something right. So, uh, yeah. And, it, you know, the thing you said about, like, what what can't be taught, it made me think of this thing I've been kicking. I, I am, like, dangerously close to just to firing off a piping hot take on the 2019 draft that I'm still scared to actually say. But in in that in that same kind of vein of thinking, I might I actually might get there pretty soon. But a couple things I wanted to wrap up on. Um, I think like Victoria Vivians is like another player we can kind of learn something from too. Where like if you're her size and you have deep range and you're kind of you have some versatility as a shooter, I think that's something that matters a ton, and that's something that just kind of can't be can't be overlooked and like man like i just like if presley hudson were like four inches taller you know like that, <laughs> like that's just that well that's what that kind of makes you think of and and she got shot yeah. in camp so that might be a, na- a name we see again but then uh and then the last one i think i think the most fascinating one to me out of this draft which it might seem silly that i'm saying this about a second round pick but i think maisha heinz allen is like is like the most fascinating player out of this draft because the questions were very fair you know it's obvious that she was very strong in college, but what was that going to mean against Sylvia Fowles? You know, what's that going to mean against Elena Deladon? Just like these other players that are much bigger than her, we had no idea, right? Because you just can't, right. you can't just draw that from when she's playing other players that are like six one and six two, and and then like this and and I think she's such an interesting combination because it was the strength part of it. But then also kind of the theoretical skill level in shooting, right? Where pretty much every front court player, we say, okay, can they shoot the three? Can they figure it out? And but Heinz Allen is like already kind of like making a little bit of progress, and like she looks comfortable, and like she looks comfortable out the three point line when she has to be, and that kind of stuff. And that's like those two things in the same package with one player. To me, that's just like that's just endlessly fascinating, and obviously. Obviously, I'm a huge fan of of the pick and what she's going to be for for the Mystics in the future. You know, Ben, th- that makes me wonder how how beneficial would a WNBA draft combine be, not just for you know GMs or what have you, but for the community? Because if you look at at the NBA draft combine, where it's like, oh well, this player has has this wingspan. Well, I didn't know that. Maybe that drops him two or three picks. Well. This player, you know, has this vertical. Well, I didn't know that. Maybe he'll, maybe he'll be higher than I thought. You know, we don't get that. Yeah, it, it, I, yeah, that came up a little bit around the final four this year, and, and I mean, look, I think everyone agrees that it'd be fun, and there'd definitely be some value to it. That's probably hard to quantify. It's another kind of eye of the beholder thing. You know, I'm sure there are some coaches and GMs who, who would find it super interesting. I'm sure there's are some that just wouldn't really care. <laughs> Yeah, although, although like the three on three five on five stuff obviously would be valuable if that even happened but i think like that part like seeing them play against each other just it probably i just don't see how it could happen just because of the calendar the way it's arranged and you go straight from college into the season and you know like look at here leslie this year like she had this injury that that nobody discovered until like she got into camp so then you know heaven forbid they do one of these combines and these then some of these player some of these high profile picks like get hurt like playing like five on five at a combine i mean that'd just be a total disaster for frankly like i just don't think the sport like needs that risk but i mean the measure i mean the measurements that kind of stuff that seems more reasonable i think there might be kind of a happy medium to reach where you can kind of provide some of that information and just kind of make make an entertainment event out of it too like you said for the fans well and when you talk about the entertainment for the fans we still need more cross promotion for the NCAA women going to the WNBA wouldn't that be like would you agree that that would be a fun thing to kind of transition I would think so I mean I, I like because I think they can play around with it a little bit like you know could you do 
you know, could you do this kind of event where maybe you don't play five on five, but you have a bunch of other stuff and maybe, maybe like, you know, the low, low level players, like third round and below, you know, maybe they play some five on five and you still get that aspect of it, but. I mean, the, yeah, the, the time, the time restraints obviously suck and there's really no way around that. So I, logistically it'd be difficult. I think if, I think if a TV partner came forward and like really got behind it, I think you could, I think you'd put something together where, you know, you just, it's obviously there's money and it's not like this is a sport that can shell a bunch of it out. But, you know, if you could do it like a week after the final four and then have the draft, you know, four or five days later or a week later, I think like, I don't think that would be that hard to just maneuver that and make it, make that work on that timeline. But even so, it, I mean, it's just all so packed together. All right. Well, uh, CBS Sports Network, if you're listening, <laughs> you heard it here first. <laughs> Yeah, so we'll see about that. But this was fun. Like you said, it's like we said before, it's it's fun to revisit this stuff and I'm looking I'm already looking forward to looking back at 2019 and all the stuff we got wrong cuz as I told I oh, told yeah. I told you before we started like I didn't I didn't actually write like pieces like with my like with a bunch of my draft thoughts. So, I joked with you before I started that like I could have said in a sense I almost could have said whatever I wanted. Like I think I did one podcast talking about the draft, so you you had you'll have no you'll have no such luxury with with 2019. Oh yeah, I, I can get just totally <laughs> I can totally get exposed out in the open for all those bad takes, but we'll see and we'll see how this season continues to play out and this is the fun part where the games have started and and we'll see how some of these 2018 players and and the rest of the league fares, but Eric, I'll give you a chance to to do some plugs, let people know where they can find your work and if I don't know if you have some things already in the works to come out recently if you want to give some specific teases uh well let's see here um for the most part it's business as usual um still at swish appeal still at hashtag basketball still loving both of those gigs and i'm they're not paying me to say that i I legit love writing for both of those outlets so um actually at hashtag basketball we do have some nice um some nice fantasy tools because you know the wnba I, i don't know if ben you've seen this but um there are some websites that are starting to get into WNBA fantasy and not like FanDuel, just like casual fantasy play. So there are some um, some tools on hashtag basketball you can use for like uh, minutes cut or points calculations, points per minute, points per game, stuff like that, fantasy points that we've been playing around with. I think those will be helpful. Um, Swish Appeal, you know, striving to be one of the best outlets of women's basketball as far as journalistic standards go. So always trying hard there um and then on twitter always shenanigans at nemchuk e if you feel like it if you don't i totally understand um yeah that's that's pretty much it man i'm just i'm just happy the season's back underway and i can get back to my uh obsession Alrighty, and yeah go go follow eric go uh go read what the crew's at at switch appeal and hashtag basketball putting together and if anyone listened to this long an hour plus on the 2018 draft. Uh, please tweet tweet either me or Eric. Tweet us in honor of the in honor of the latest pick still in the league from the 2018 draft. Mercedes Russell. Tweet Mercedes to us, and hopefully at least one person has listened this long. But please subscribe to the podcast. Leave us a review. And as I said, like always, give me your feedback on what kind of episodes and what stuff you want us to talk about. But Until next time, Eric, I'm sure we'll have you on and talk more about the season, but thanks for taking the time tonight. All right. Thanks for having me, Ben.